Chapter Four of Plough Stories by Clara D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Rene Ribour of Upper Louisiana. A few years before the American War of the Revolution, a Frenchman named Alphonse Ribour was drowned in the Mississippi River by the upsetting of the old pirogue, a canoe made from a hollowed-out log in which he was carrying some casks to the settlement below alphonse ribor was a strong man and a good one he worked hard and he was one of the best farmers in what was then called upper louisiana and many of the kindly french settlers who lived near him felt that they had lost one of their best friends the widow ribor and her two children renee and marie talked long with the village priest father bonin as to their future i do not wish to leave my so pleasant home by the river said widow ribour alphonse built it with his own hands and there i lived from the time i was a bride you do not think that i should sell it no no my daughter answered the priest gravely at first it will be hard for you to manage your farm but rene here is large for his sixteen years and he is a good boy he will be a fine farmer like his father before long meanwhile before he is strong enough for the ploughing and the other heavy work rent your farmland to some neighbour and let rene keep himself busy with other tasks i think that i am strong enough to do it all now father said rene squaring his shoulders and standing as tall and straight as he could not so not so said the kindly priest these shoulders will have enough burdens to bear soon and there is no returning to childhood after one is grown wait a bit my son and busy yourself with other things there is no lack of work in a new country like this for youths like you and you can fill your good father's place in many ways already he is a good boy said the widow ribor i lean upon him now never a cross or disrespectful word does he give me and marie here is fast learning all the arts of the household may the good god bless you all said father bonin raising his right hand in the gesture which the french catholics loved and help you to honor the name of alphonse ribor so they went back to the strong log house which had stood for seventeen years on the village lot of the ribor family it was not built as the english colonist builds theirs for the french way was first to dig trenches where the walls were to stand and then to set logs upright in the trenches packing the soil firmly around them and grading the height of those on the ends to support the slanting thatched roof every house had its front and its back porch or gallery as the french settlers called it made by the roof extending beyond the walls and on these galleries much of the work of the household was done in the warm weather under the gallery roofs the walls of each house were neatly plastered over with a mixture of mud and lime in front of each house was a space enclosed by a picket fence and behind each was another picket enclosure containing a thrifty garden 
elsewhere were the tilled fields and the vineyards and elsewhere also the common pasture where grazed the goats and the small black cattle of the villagers here as in the english colonies of the east the settlers dwelt close together for company and for protection from their enemies going to and from their fields rene was sorrowful he did not wish to be treated as a child he was already as tall as his father had been and he looked forward to the time when widow rebor should permit him to have his father's gun powder horn and bullet pouch and hunt as he had done the widow rebor saw this and put her work-hardened hand upon his shoulder see rene she said the weight poles which hold the thatch in place are slipping no wonder that our last heavy rain came through you are the man of the house now even though i shall rent my grain-land to my neighbour dinot why not make it neat again to-morrow and when the new straw is ready you shall try your hand at making us a new roof your father said that you were very handy when helping him thatch the stable last year and i will cook you a great dish of meat with onions when you finish cried marie and i will make you meal cakes to eat with maple syrup quite as our mother did for our father and you last year such a feast as it was then rene felt more cheerful he was to be the man of the house after all and he reached down to pet the shaggy dog that arose to greet them then he looked up at the roof which he was to repair it was spring and here and there tiny green shoots were appearing in the straw of the old thatch where seeds that had lain under the winter snows were beginning to sprout they were starting earlier than those in the forest for they were warmed by both the sunshine and the heat from the big stick and clay chimney at one end of the house it was only at the chimney end of the thatch that green appeared and the seeds that sprouted were those of the earliest wild flowers see my children cried the brave widow rebor every little seed is doing the very best it can even though it cannot live as it would choose to on the rich black soil of the prairie we must be as courageous as the plants in the thatch and do the very best that we can even though our hearts are sad it was not long before they had eaten their supper of meal cakes and dried buffalo meat with also a bit of goat's milk cheese which the widow rebor had made quite as her grandmother had been used to making it in france then after their black cows and nanette their favourite goat had been fed and milked the little family of three lay down on their piles of skins which served as beds and slept soundly until daylight it is true that an open lamp with its rag wick floated in oil hung from the centre of the rough ceiling but it was seldom lighted except in midwinter when the nights were so long that even the most tired could not sleep from sunset to sunrise then it was the custom of the family to sit close together between the flashing flames of the fireplace and the sputtering winking yellow flame of the lamp and attend to their various bits of handiwork there could be no reading aloud 
for very few of the settlers owned even a single book but the widow Rebor, and in his day her husband the good alphonse had told the children wonderful tales of that beautiful france from which their forefathers had come then the children sitting wide-eyed on their rude stools or close together on the roughly made bench would ask many questions tell us how they built their log houses in france renee once said do all the men in the settlement help as they do here and do the women make a feast for them afterward but no alphonse Rebor replied there the houses are built of stone which can be handled by one or two men only they have less trees and more stone than we who dwell in upper louisiana how strange exclaimed renee one would think that every one must live in a log house and there are no indians there whatever asked the small marie not even one in all that beloved land answered her father but you must not fear the indians my daughter they are kind to the friendly french settlers we buy pelts of them and we treat them fairly the white people from other lands have often been cruel to them and it is they who need to fear indians not we often too the children would ask why did our forefathers leave france if they loved it so the reply of alphonse rebor was always the same and if as sometimes happened he had on a cap at the time he always removed it before answering he did this quite as he removed it before entering the little log church where on sundays father benin preached to the people of the settlement they came he said because america is the land of opportunity for all those who are willing to work hard and live plainly and do that which they know to be right when your grandparents left france only those who were born wealthy and noble families could find opportunities there chances to learn and to live comfortably then renee and marie always looked about their snug log cabin home with the inside of its wall so neatly daubed with clay and its floor of puncheons which their father had split from forest trees and which often rocked slightly when trodden upon they could remember very well the time when their floor was only mud pounded level and dried so they thought that they understood what it meant to live in a land of opportunity puncheon floors were so much warmer in winter than those of mud only also it was possible to hide things under them the morning after their visit to father benin the widow Rebor and her children awakened early it was a busy morning in the settlement for all the men were farmers and this was the first day suitable for the spring ploughing from nearly every rough little log barn oxen were being led forth and yoked in pairs the yokes were of wood quite straight and tied to the animal's horns with strips of untanned leather a few farmers had horses but only a few these wore harnesses of braided rawhide ploughs were also brought forth from the out-of-the-way corners where they had been stored away from rain and snow they were just such ploughs as had been used by the settlers forefathers in france 
they were of roughly hewn wood with only one piece of iron in each that piece was a small ploughshare fastened to the wood in such a way as to cleave the earth it had a hole in the forepart of the share in which the front end of the wood was placed and the two were then firmly bound together with rawhide the handles were so short and crooked that the ploughman walked almost on his plough the beam of the plough was straight and was laid on the axle of a low-wheeled carriage there were holes on the plough beam so arranged that it could be raised or lowered on the axle to make the furrows shallower or deeper as the farmer might wish Rene had to drag forth the rebour plough and yoke the rebour oxen to it for farmer dinot had so much land of his own that he and his oxen would be kept busy there and his eldest son gaston was to plough the rented land with the rebour plough and oxen it was hard for rene when he had to hand gaston the ox gourd and see him drive away the faithful animals which had always hitherto been driven by his father and which he so longed to drive tears stood in his eyes as he watched eighteen-year-old gaston dinot guiding the creaking plough down the street of the settlement toward the rebour fields queerly enough the settlers seldom greased the wooden wheels of their carts and their ploughs and since these were but rough affairs the wheels being sometimes mere cross-sections of logs the little procession starting off that morning was a noisy one when it was gone rene found himself the oldest youth remaining in the settlement save joseph courtdale and joseph was there only because he had a broken leg the men remaining were those too old and feeble to work in the fields it was not strange that rene's eyes filled with tears and his heart with bitter longing still he had the sense to do the work which had been given him to do and to do it as well as he could and that always comforts one he brought the homemade ladder from the barn and leaned it against the end of the house then he went off in search of rawhide thongs with which to tie the weight poles in place he found a few long ones and he crowded part of them into the pockets of his short buckskin trousers and the rest into the breast of his buckskin jacket after he had done this he climbed to the roof and busied himself with the thatch filling in the places where it was too thin with what he took from those places where the sliding weight poles had piled it too thickly rene was on the highest part of the roof when a faint cry made him pause in his work and look off in the direction of the river the heavy wind of the week before had blown down one of the trees along the shore and it lay with its upper branches almost touching the farther side little eugenie courtade had walked out as far as she could on the fallen trunk and lost her footing in trying to turn around for the return trip it was her scream which renee had heard and now she was struggling in the water held by the branches of the tree from being swept downstream but too young and too badly frightened to grasp and hold them renee leaped to the ground not waiting to use the ladder and ran to the shore and the fallen tree taking off his buckskin jacket as he went 
he saw no other person outside the houses which he passed and he had neither time nor breath for calling his neighbours out and explaining he simply ran with all the ease and speed which resulted from his many races with french and indian lads out on the fallen tree he sped until near enough to plunge into the icy water and seize the small eugenie who was half crazed by fright she threw her arms about his neck and would have dragged him down with her save that he was able to hang to the branch with one hand let go eugenie he said let go of my neck renee will not let you drown if you do that if you hold renee so tightly he can never get you out of the water and carry you home never never still eugenie kept her small arms about his neck and renee began to think that both would drown before help came it was then that he set his quick french mind to work and remembered the thongs in his pocket he wound his legs around one of the branches under the water and then he let go of the one which he had been grasping with his right hand when that was done he fished a stout thong from his pocket and working slowly and patiently with the struggling child tied it about her below the arms fastened the ends of it securely together and then passed the loop thus made over a stout stub above his head this he felt sure would hold her head above the water while he climbed onto the tree trunk next he gently but firmly unwound her clinging arms and drew away so that she could not reach him the rest was not dangerous but it was far from being easy renee shivering and half frozen and much hampered by his wet garments and heavy moccasins swam to a branch suitable for climbing gained a footing on the tree trunk crept to a point above the child lifted her up by the loop of rawhide until he could clasp her in his arms and then made his way slowly back to the home shore holding her with her face and head down in order that any water which she had breathed in might more easily drain away madame courtade had just stepped out on her front gallery as renee returned with her only daughter her beloved six-year-old dripping and only half conscious in his arms she screamed and filled the air with her exclamations of horror and of gratitude but she kept her wits about her and swung the house door open on its leather hinges renee bore the child inside and lay her in front of the great fireplace where the bake kettle and the soup kettle stood in their banks of coals and hot ashes where was she asked madame courtade i had just missed her and gone to look she is so big now that she lifts the peg latch of the gate and she is one little squirrel for quickness for climbing also is she one little squirrel said renee she went out on the tree which lies in the river went out until she fell then alas she was not one little beaver for swimming my poor little one exclaimed madame courtade and you were by the river and saw her no but i was on our roof mending the thatch he answered i was high up so that i saw and quiet so that i heard she arouses herself now madame so pardon me i go to recover my coat and dry myself 
that night when all the farmers were back from their fields the cows and goats milked and all the stock warmly stabled the sturdy french settlers took their lanterns in their hands and made their way to the home of madame rebord perhaps she knew that they were coming at all events the single lamp was burning and there were fresh homemade candles in her two candlesticks ready to be lighted with a splinter from the fireplace also a bright fire blazed upon the hearth quietly the visitors swung the gate open on its clumsy hinges of withes and quietly they lifted the latch string of the heavy house door quietly then they flocked in to where rene clad in his dry buckskins was whittling out a squirrel trap then father bonin stepped forward and laid a hand on the lad's shoulder rene he said your friends have come to thank you for what you did to-day it is not alone that you saved the small eugenie although that is much but you showed us all that you are a worthy son of our beloved alphonse with his goodness his quick wit and his so great courage we all thank you and i bestow on you my blessing others came crowding forward as the old priest finished they seized his hands and they kissed him on both cheeks in true french fashion while they spoke their thanks often they bestowed some little gift upon him one woman laid a dish on the table beside him a pate she said i made it from my best dried cherries farmer cortet gave him a fine new coonskin cap with the tail hanging down on the back it was made for our joseph he said but joseph wishes you to have it and so it went with simple homemade gifts piling up on the rough table sometimes a present like a cap for rene alone sometimes a bag of hickory nuts or walnuts which he could share later with his mother and his sister but whatever it was always given with a kindly word which meant even more to the happy boy than the gift itself then the visitors left for the hour was late for people who must arise with the sun as the door closed behind the last one marie threw her arms around her brother's neck and cried i am so proud of you my brother widow rebord did not speak but she took from its peg on the wall her husband's long flintlock american rifle his otter-skin bullet pouch with its clear powder horn and white bone charger and held them out to renee take them my son she then said they belonged to a good man and i give them to another who is a good man even though he is not yet permitted to do all of a man's heavy work once more renee's eyes filled with tears but this time they were not tears of longing i thank you my mother he said simply i will care for them well as my father's son should do and i will wait patiently for the time when i am permitted to till our fields i have already thanked the good god that i was not granted my wish this morning that instead of guiding the plough i was mending our thatch End of chapter four